This is the Seven Figures Podcast Smart Money Strategies for Women with Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is sponsored by Family First Credit Union. When it comes to financial education, earning and learning go hand in hand, and Family First is here to help you and the greater Rochester community with both. Thank you for joining us on the Seven Figures Podcast. It's so crazy to think, isn't it, that that's it? In a few weeks, it's going to be 2019. It feels like this year flew by. That's what our parents always used to say, right? The older you get, the faster time goes by. But okay, so today we thought we would look back at uh, 2018 and showcase some of the most impactful interviews that we had on. We had so many great guests on the air with us with so much valuable financial advice. But if we could narrow it down today, we're going to do the 2018 year in review. And to help us out is the CEO of Family First Credit Union, Tom Dambra. Good morning, Sandy. How you doing? Good. Are you ready for this challenge? Now wait to talk about Sandy's nuggets of knowledge. <laughs> you know, it was hard. It was hard just to pick a few, wasn't it? Yeah, but you know, you covered a ton of ground. That was great. Yeah, and thank you so much to everybody who reached out to us and gave us uh, some input on which ones we should uh, focus on today. So do you have a favorite that you want to start with? Oh, let's go with uh, Janine Shepard's Love the Hills. Oh, my gosh. Okay. She was a great interview. And she's such a genuine person, too. So kind. But she was an Olympic athlete. And she was training to win a medal for Australia on the ski team. Until the day where she was training, she was riding her bike, and she was struck by a truck. Tragic accident. Doctors and everybody amazed that she came out and survived the accident, but her life has forever changed. And I'll tell you what happened with the driver of that vehicle. But first, her lesson to all of us is love the hills. That's her phrase. That's her saying. That's how uh, she lives her life, by loving the hills. And life is all about discipline because life is tough. So when I was very young, um, I of worked out pretty early that when I went out training with my teammates, they all wanted to train on the flat, you know, and I just thought to myself, well, what happens if I train on the hills? (laughs) And so I always took, if there was a choice, I would always take the hills. And I discovered that, you know, the hills just didn't make me physically strong. They made me mentally tough and uh, that nobody else liked them. And that was my edge. That was really Mm. my edge in sport. And I also... What happened is, just sort of organically, the more I trained on the hills, the more I learned to love them. I actually always would just go out towards the hills. Always I took the hills. I chose the hills. And then I realized that, hey, that's what life is about. Life is about hills. And once you accept that they're there, then the fact that they're there doesn't matter anymore. A lot of people can relate to your story. They have either had a moment in their life where they feel like they just lost control over whether it be finances or maybe they're blindsided by something like a divorce or whatever else they're struggling with. Is that the advice that you would give them to keep pushing forward, think of the hills and love the hills? Absolutely. You know, turn towards the hills and say, I love it because every hill is a lesson. That's what life is about. I say life is one huge personal development course. And I'm a long way from graduating. (laughs) We all are. We're here in this body, in this life, because there are things to learn. That's how we evolve. That's how we grow. So turning away from those things 
whether it's you know a divorce or in you know loss of a loved one or a financial problem you know if you turn from them they're not going to go away but if you turn towards it you find out that firstly it's never as bad as you thought it was and the magic happens on the other side of the hill that was Janine Shepard international keynote speaker best selling author resilience expert so impactful right amazing one of the things she didn't mention in there um she did mention towards the end was that she kept a man from committing suicide. Uh, the guy yes. had listened to her, one of her talks and that kept him from committing suicide. Talk about powerful. Talk about having an ability to change people's lives. Yeah. Cause she was ready to give up herself for sure. The driver of the vehicle that struck her that day where it changed her life forever. He reached out to her in the hospital while she was in the hospital, wrote her a letter and the letter was very cold, called her the wrong name, called her by her middle name. Oh, no. And it said, uh, reviewing what happened that day, and of course I'm paraphrasing, um, when you collided with my truck, it was just an accident, um, and I, I hope you get better soon. I mean, very cold. He was only given, cited um, a minimal fine, $40, or something very minimal, where she said, it was a big challenge of her to overcome the anger that she felt just about that. Sounded like something about trying to cover himself. That's right? what she said, too. Probably just he was thinking uh, legally. Right. I'm going to try to back away from any legal responsibility. How? Isn't that crazy? That's awful. That's awful. But again, she's living proof that you can be resilient and you can fight through things and you can make a difference in this world. Um, huge kudos to her. Yeah. Yeah, and we're reading the book. I'm reading it with the girls, and it's it's pretty powerful. No it kidding. Is. Yeah, because it's like, hey, when my nine-year-old has difficulties with her math problems, math homework, I'm like, okay, what would Janine Shepard do right now? You know, love the hills. Push on through. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can watch her TED Talk, and you can pick up her book, Janine Shepard. She was pretty powerful. Okay, what's your next favorite? How about uh, Lynn Kacken, Stay in Your Lane? Taxes. Taxes. That's what... <laughs> uh, nobody likes taxes. I know. Lynn Musensky-Keck, she's a tax professor at St. John Fisher and accountant at the Bonadio Group. We talked a lot about taxes and what we should prepare for this year when we when we have to do our taxes. But yeah, the wise words of staying in your own lane. So the first thing I want to say is stay in your lane. So I think it. So you had put. I think one of the questions was something that we struggled with when we were younger. Um, is we kept saying, "Well, so and so purchased a house, or so and so did this, so we must need to do this." Like we, and we literally, our biggest faux pas was we purchased a house, and we knew we weren't potentially going to stay in that area very long. And nine months later, we moved, but couldn't sell the house for two years. So <gasps> oh that was God. our biggest. Don't do your thing, you know, and stay in your lane. From a budgetary perspective, um, I also would say don't look. Some people, I hear this a lot. I don't understand how they can afford to go to Florida or go to Disney. World. Oh, God, yeah. I don't yeah. understand. You know, everybody chooses to spend their money differently and just respect the fact that um, that everybody does that. So for us personally, my husband is also an accountant, so we're a really fun family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we're super conservative in the fact that we, um, we, we have an automatic withdrawal out for savings. 
And that automatic withdrawal, a portion of it, as we already discussed, goes to our kids for HSA. And the other portion goes to our retirement plan on top of our 401k. So we do contribute to our 401k plans, but I'm sure this isn't the first time people have heard this. That's probably not going to be enough. Love those months where we get an extra payment. We get paid, you know, biweekly, you know, so there's two months in the year where we get three payments and we really try to strategize during that time for our charitable contributions. That's what you always say too. You got to pay yourself pay, first. Yeah. Pay yourself first. It's huge. Think, think about some of the things we talked about. 401k, 403b, 529, IRAs. That stuff pays for itself in the long run. It just compounds itself as time goes on. Yeah. And it's hard to understand how much that's going to help you in the future because it's hard sometimes to see in the future. Right. 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 To, to visualize yourself in the future and what you're going to need. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things you mentioned, too, is around budgets. And everybody has their own way of trying to do budgets. Um, my wife and I have our own process. And uh, she's got the tougher job by far. She handles a lot of the variable costs. So whether it's buying our daughter's clothes or getting presents for parties that we're going to be going to, those variable costs can be really tough and tough to control. Um, I get off easy by having to have to pay the monthly payment on stuff. So, but you got to do what works for you. You've got to figure out as a couple where you're able to first pay yourself. And then after that, take care of the monthly costs, take care of the variable costs, and hopefully when you're done at the end of the month, you've got a little something left over. Now, do you use uh, Excel spreadsheets? Lynn was saying that's how they live their life. Yeah, I'm a dorky do you, banker. You know that. Do you so really absolutely. Do? Okay. Spreadsheets, check, check, check. Which <laughs> which payment is going to be covered by which paycheck? Oh, my God. It's a complex set of my kids roll their eyes every oh. time I pull the thing out and try well, to show them. you and your wife should hang out with Lynn and her husband. You guys would have a blast together. Well, they're both accountants, so I'm not sure how Molly would do as a teacher with a banker and two accountants. Oh, gosh. She'd drink a lot of wine. Um, okay. You know, coming off of that, when we talk about budgets, and I know you could be rolling your eyes at just the word budget, but it is so important. And what it does is it it leads you to the path of financial freedom. And Mike McNamara, founder of Talent Boulevard, career coach to several pretty high-profile names, which he would not disclose, no, by the way. No, he was using generalities, wasn't he? He was like, big TV names. And, well, who? Darn it. Okay, so anyhow. <laughs> Good try, though. You yeah. were pushing him pretty hard on it. <laughs> I know. But here's this guy. Very successful. I'm sure he's doing just fine financially. Um, I'm sure his paycheck is much bigger than ours. But yet he still keeps to a budget and he talks about financial freedom and the great feeling that you have when you do achieve financial freedom. What makes me happy right now in terms of my financial freedom is we had a plan to, to pay everything off. So no mortgage, no car payments. Um, we paid off all those reoccurring bills that, that we all have um, over the course of our life. And we did that by downsizing. We, you know, we drive seven or eight-year-old cars. In fact, my son's got like a 2015-something that is probably the newest car in the family. Um, and once we found that financial freedom, the rest of our life um, – has been so much more colorful and enjoyable. Um, and it was all about just learning to live with less yeah. and taking our debt down. 
it lifts this huge weight, doesn't it? It gives you choices. It gives you opportunities. You're not stressing about how am I going to pay that bill? It's it a- absolutely does. I mean, it gives you choices in your career, which is, you know, what we're talking about um, today is if you don't have those financial stresses and, and um, responsibilities, you can go and do whatever you want to do. He was mentioning how uh, the get-rich-quick schemes just aren't reality, and they're not. He's absolutely right. He talked about he was a day trader at one point in time. Yeah. Um, His financial fumble. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of people get themselves involved in things that they're not really 100% educated on, and it can get you into some trouble. But it was cool to hear that he lives, and he said the people that he represent, whoever the heck they are, right. the country artists <laughs> and the professional baseball players, he says that they deal with the same struggles that we do when it comes to the budget and managing their money. It's, I think a lot of it's where you come from, too. What do you, what do you learn when you're young, growing up? What are you accustomed to? He mentioned that he worked in a car wash in Detroit in the middle of January. Well, we can kind of relate around yeah. here what a car wash would be like in the middle of January. That's, that's tough. That's tough work, and you learn to appreciate what you have. Um, live modestly. Enjoy what you have, but, but live modestly. So what would you say... Because there are people who um, are firm believers in, well, material things do bring me happiness. So I do want to spend on those things. I think you need to pick and choose, right? You can't want everything. If you're always, always jonesing for that next thing that you can't afford, you're always going to be on that wheel of trying to, mm-hmm. to find that thing. Um, again, appreciate what you have. Find those few things in life that are maybe material in nature that make you happy and uh, take a lot of enjoyment from those. The 2018 year in review, the most impactful interviews that we did this year on the Seven Figures podcast. Tom Dambra is here with us from Family First Credit Union. All right. I know this one is your favorite, isn't it? If you had to pick one. Go with the Holland sisters. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. So funny. Now, if you are not familiar, I'm sure you are, but Norma Holland is uh, an anchor on 13 Wham and her sister, Andrea Holland, founder of Holland Communications. I mean, they are as real as it gets with the advice of let your voice be heard. Own it. Claim your claim your greatness and own it. And so that what? does you directly for it. That Why does not directly talk correlate it? to your financial success. It really ultimately does, because, it you does. know, study after study shows if you're not getting, if you're not speaking up and you're not being visible, uh, you're not getting the opportunities that other people are being considered for. And that voice that you have needs to be heard so that when those opportunities come up or when the budget gets looked at and they decide, hmm, who do we give these raises to or who deserves a promotion or who's the person that's going to withstand the round of layoffs? Uh, that's when you want to be sure that you're heard and known um, because it does affect your bottom line ultimately. But it's it's easy to understand why younger people are not as confident in that area. I'll never forget when I was negotiating my salary. Um, I forget how far into my career it was. But, you know, um, I remember I told my uncle uh, what I was uh, being offered. And um, he looked at it and was like, he just scoffed. He said, no way. You're worth far more than that. And I thought, well, I, I but I can't go asking for, you know, yeah. this amount. I can't. And he goes, why not? And I thought, no, I I just can't, you know, I don't want to look like I'm being greedy. And 
I don't want to. Yeah. He goes, give me that paper. And he wrote down what I should off what, what I needed to ask for as far as an offer. I took that piece of paper back and I handed it to my boss and I said, this is what I want. Handed the paper, like handed it across the table and he looks at it and he goes, he goes, <laughs> what, what happened? And I go, I, I talked to my uncle. Oh, you did? <laughs> I have my uncle to thank to this day. And he said yes to it. He goes, yeah. let me look at it. I'll get back to you. And I was, I didn't, oh. I didn't say anything. I didn't say, well, my uncle said, I just went, my uncle looked at it. And say another word. And you know what? Sometimes women, okay, this is, women, are you listening to me? Listen, women, women, ladies, when you want something, ask for it and then shut up. That's right. Literally, close your mouth. Don't start. Because I really need this because I got kids and, or my husband and I, hey, this is what I want. Hand a paper, tell your boss, let the words come from your mouth and then say nothing. Mm-hmm. because the first person who starts talking is the weakest one. Say nothing. And if they ask you why, you say, because I want it, or because X, Y, and Z, and that's it. Don't say any more, because it makes you look like, makes you look weak, makes you look not confident, not not confident in your um, desire to ask for what you want. It could be anything. Time also, off, money, you know, Beyonce's yeah. ring, I don't care, <laughs> you know. Are you hoping your employees are not listening to this oh, one right now? <laughs> man, I'm trying to figure out how I would react if they just came in, threw a piece of paper at me, and stared at me. Didn't say yeah, anything. Yeah, as a boss, what do you think? Ooh, it does. It puts back on your heels a little bit, for sure. Um, but it comes back to that confidence that they were talking mm-hmm. about. You know, organizations have to make a decision whether or not somebody is worth a certain dollar amount or not, right? And there's only so much money. For sure, right? for sure. Um, but that confidence, it kind of goes hand in hand with speaking, too. If you're up in front of a group of people and you're confident in what you're speaking about, you've got it. You've got it. You're there. You're able to display that you know what you're doing and you deserve to be there. So whether you're speaking in front of a group of people or you're asking for a raise, it's all the same stuff. It's saying, I'm confident in what I do and I deserve this. And you know, it's funny with all these interviews that we did all year, and these are pretty successful people too. They have all shared their insecurities and their financial fumbles because they have them too. Sure. Right? They, your boss has asked for a raise at one point. So they get it. But the point where she said, and I think more women, and you could probably tell me if this is true, more women than not, will justify why we want that money. Uh, I have three kids or I, you know, right. Do you feel like we make excuses for why we would even dare to ask for that figure? I I admittedly find that many women are more organized than men Mm. and having all that organization and in all that thought and preparation that goes into asking, that's pretty powerful. Mm. So if I turn around and say, okay, well, I'm looking at this number. Why? Typically, you're prepared to explain why. So it's very different than what um, what the Hollands were saying. They're making a statement and saying, guess who's weakest? Whoever talks first. Well, guess who talked first? I did as the boss by saying, why? Even though it was only one word, yeah. I was the one that put back the why. Now, very often, women are very organized in their thoughts around why they deserve those things in the workplace. And bam, 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 here are the reasons why. Facts, though, right? Numbers, Indeed. how you move the needle for the company. Really, it should go back to instead of your personal need. Right? For, for sure. 
one of the things we, t- we talked about before was um, timing. If you're always in your boss's ear around why you're doing a good job and what you're doing, it doesn't send as loud of a message. But when you're asking for a raise, mm-hmm. that, that, that's not a, a, a weekly thing typically, right? But you're organized. You're ready to okay. communicate why it is I deserve that. And uh, to just put it out there and be ready, but not necessarily the first one to explain why. Huge. Really, yeah. really good process. Confidence. How Did funny, that- <laughs> too, though, the mentioning of they charge one another interest. Do you, you remember that in the conversation? Andrew. They charge each other principal and interest to go run around and do tasks. <laughs> Again, that's, that, oh my God, that's so funny. That is a ride. And it does. And, you know, we didn't get to the um, the episode that we just had a few weeks ago, Susan Beecham uh, from Money Savvy Generation. She was spectacular with the advice on how to start those conversations early with your kids, because you should be talking about money with your kids at the age of six, yep. she said. Their parents always openly talked about money. And it's so important. It does. It prepares kids for what's coming. Yeah. Uh, okay, so who do you want to do next? Um, how about Sheila Kennedy, the oh, Daily Magnet? I love her. I think you and I picked her out of all these because she's the local one, but a lot of people uh, echoed in what she was teaching us. The James Whitaker episode, same deal. James Whitaker, the author of Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy, had the same idea for us. Sheila Kennedy is a publisher and writer about the practices of successful and abundant entrepreneurship. But she talks about the importance of the daily magnet, which again, is something that a lot of very successful people talk about and practice. So the first part of the daily magnet is to track how much where you're starting um, in your bank account. And then how much as you add money during the day, you add you change the total. And that just kind of because then what happens is that we feel so often that we don't have enough money but we always start with a balance. So we have enough. We have something. Then the gratitude is the next part. So um, it's about recognizing what's abundant in your life. It's what we have that is, we have so much we, we don't even need anymore. <laughs> but um, when we're recognizing and we're, we're grateful for that, it only invites more. Yeah. Gratitude amplifies abundance. And so if you want more, you have to ask for, you know, be grateful for what you have because you have so much. When we are constantly asking for more, that's a mindset of scarcity or lack. And lack invites more lack. Gratitude invites more abundance. Okay. Then with, a, with an affirmation, um, what's your intention for the day? And important because like Bert Martinez, when he was, he was working for a newspaper and he had a sales team that was the worst producing sales team in the entire organization and they gave it to him and said, do something with them. And all he did was have them recite different affirmations at three different times during the day. And within a matter of nine months, they were a record breaking team. They were breaking all records for sales within the organization. And all that he did differently was ask them to recite these affirmations each day. Um, so it really makes a difference. So whatever we want to have happen that day, we have to speak life into that. And so that's what the intention and the affirmation is for. Yeah. And James pretty much said the same thing, right? Start your day with what you are grateful for yeah. and set 
set the the standard for the day. I will achieve what, right? I think about when I was a kid, I wanted to have the best baseball card collection I could possibly get my hands on. But I didn't know how to make any money. So you start that day with, well, how am I going to make some money? So as a kid, I came up with this idea. My dad owned a couple of apartment houses and he had kind of coins from the dryer and dryers Mm -hmm. and the uh, washers. And and so he'd bring them home and he'd pour them all out onto the table. And I'm thinking, how how can I get in on this little ordeal? So um, I love to roll coins. So I'm throwing together something that I love to do, roll coins. But the deal with dad was for each each roll of coins that I pull together, um, you know, I get a quarter. So, so I'm sitting there and I'm putting together all the coins and they're starting to stack up. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is great. Now I'm thinking I can get two packs of cards and three packs of cards and four packs of cards. Mm-hmm. The da- this daily magnet of how do you create revenue generating opportunities? Um, it's great. It's a great idea. It's a great way to get your day started. Yeah. And it works. It really does work. Yeah. It sounds silly. And you might not want to start your day that way because it's just another thing to add to your to-do list, but it really does work. And you have to write what you're grateful for first, right? Just to appreciate, like we were going back to what Mike McNamara was saying, look around you and really appreciate even the littlest thing, right? It's not snowing in Rochester. I'm going to appreciate that. (laughs) I'm going to appreciate that, (laughs) that I don't have to brush off my car today and, and then go from there. And then what you want out of the day. Keep it positive. Yes. Right? Keep your thoughts positive and yep. work through the day with those yep. positive thoughts. Yeah. Jody Rosenshine Atkin, independent college counselor. Man, did she have great advice. I think she's been on like a dozen times. And this is interesting why we here in Rochester have it better than some other cities when it comes to colleges. Visits cost a lot of money. And parents sometimes feel like they have to take their kid on a grand tour of the United States. They need to see every school before they apply. And that is a, no, maybe not. Okay. What you can do is do what I call the Goldilocks tour locally. You visit without ever leaving your comfort of your own bedroom. You can visit a small school, a medium school, and a large school. Not because you're going to apply to those schools. Not because you're necessarily staying in Rochester, but because we're blessed to have examples of those size campuses in our area. So you're looking more at the size. Does this feel this to size start, feel right? Not necessarily the specific college. Okay. Right. So, for example, I've had students say, no, I want a really big, giant school. And that's great. I want you to go visit UB and I want you to visit Cornell and come back and tell me what you think. Okay. And. Many times they'll come back and go, oh, wow, you can see the eyeballs like growing like saucers out. That did not feel good. It was too big. I, I would never get to my class. Um, so then we say, okay, how about a medium-sized school? I want you to go visit the University of Rochester. Lovely, about 7,000 undergraduates. See what that feels like. Want to see if something feels a little cozier. Why don't you go visit Nazareth? Pretty campus, small, about 2,000 students. Come back and tell me what you think. So you try on the sizes. You may not pick one, mm-hmm. but you may be able to really say, that felt too much like my high school. I don't want to do that. Or I was overwhelmed by that size. That helps us narrow the list to start with. You need to visit the school before you enroll, but you don't have to visit the school before you apply. This one hit really close to home for me. Our oldest is a college freshman. We were all over the Northeast. Um we were down into North Carolina. We, oh shoot! Yeah, I we, should have. I should have had her on way before. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, she knew she wanted to get into the uh, science field and she's working towards becoming an RN, but really didn't have a clue what the right college was. Mm. If we had stopped to think, hey, let's visit all the local schools, even if you don't want to go locally, but just to get a feel for what the right size is for you, that probably could have saved us a ton of time. Now, don't get me wrong. It was fun traveling yeah. around and looking at different schools. But um, ironically, at the end of the day, she ended up only applying to two schools. We must have looked at 15 or 20 colleges all over the Northeast and heading towards the Southeast. And uh, at the end of the day, she only applied to two. So Jody's advice about getting to those local schools to get a feel for how big the campus is and what the kid wants that one really hit home for me. What was another lesson then? Because now you live through this, that uh, a mistake that you look back on and think, oh, man, we should have done it differently. Or with our next kid, we'll do it differently. Was there something? Um, I, you know, it was an experience that probably will help us with our next one for sure. Um, I would say that get them in front of the admissions counselors as soon as you possibly Mm. can you know you can spend a lot of time and a lot of the college kids do a great job doing the tours walking around the campus but if they can spend some time with an admissions counselor on at each campus that they visit um as they're getting closer to being a little more serious about where they want to go take the time to do that and we didn't necessarily do that at all the schools Mm. and admittedly we had to end up taking a couple of trips back and forth towards those final few schools that she was interested in because we hadn't done that um, sort of initial conversation with admissions to begin with. And that's what Jody says too, is so important to make a footprint. So don't ever go on a weekend because no one's there. Right. Did you go on the weekend? Now and again, we yeah. did. Yeah, because wh- when does your schedule allow, right? It's tough. I mean, you or during the summertime. So again, with Which Molly being a teacher, not the best way to summertime's go. Mm-hmm. not the right time to go. I mean, it's maybe the most convenient for us, yeah. but you don't get a real feel for the hustle and bustle of the campus. Right. So make that footprint leave. So you're right. Talk to somebody there. Have somebody know that you were there right. on campus and you're showing interest in the college. Um, okay. Now I was done there with the list, but then you had to bring up Mr. Eric Brotman, which he was a fantastic interview, but man, this is the one thing that I still have yet to do. Sandy. <laughs> and I know. And I know it's morbid, but you got to do it. I know. And maybe that's why I, I know. <laughs> All right, here we go. All of us are in this together. This is what we're going to have to do. Come the new year, we are going to get this done. Good. Our wills. Uh, people a lot of times wait until they have kids. And even then, we've seen people, we've seen people even who are attorneys who don't have those documents done. I know it's emotional, but it's. Let's face it, we're all here, in, we're all mortal, to the best of my knowledge. And that means we're going to have to deal with some of those things. I would say we have our clients get basic financial planning documents and estate documents for their kids as soon as they're of the age of majority. So once you're, in most states, 18 years old, mom and dad no longer have any right to talk to a physician on your behalf or a bank on your behalf. You're an adult. You can't have a Budweiser yet, but you can make life and death decisions. So what that means is you have to have those kids name someone, and typically it's one or both parents, name someone so they can present it at a hospital or at a financial institution and say, I'm here on behalf of my son or daughter. Because once they're adults, those parental rights are gone. And so when, when you have kids, take them to your estate attorney 
It'll cost you an hour's worth of time. It's not expensive. And have basic documents done for your kids um, that they will then at least learn to do this, and they'll change them when their life moves on. You know, the wills are important, but they're the least important document for people unless they have children. Because what the will is designed to do is name those folks who handle your estate, name those folks who receive your property, none of which is important when you're 23. You don't have any property, most cases. But once you have kids, what the wills do that's much more important than that is it names guardians for your children and trustees for your children. The guardians are those people your kids would live with if you're in a car accident and aren't here tomorrow. Who are your kids going to live with? They're three and five. Are they going to their aunt? Are they going to their, their, your brother-in-law? Or are they going to the court system to decide? And if you haven't decided all this, if you do not have a will, what happens? If you don't have a will, the state, whatever state you live in, has a plan for you. And generally, you won't like it. Even if you're married and you don't have a will, your spouse does not automatically take all of your property. Um, and if you happen to have kids but also living parents, some of your property in a lot of states would go up to your parents who may not need the money and who would then be taxed on it in a different way than having it go to your kids. There's lots of problems with letting a courthouse decide your fate. All right, so you really need, I mean, you got to put this on your priority list. Everyone today. should have them. They don't have to be expensive. And for Pete's sake, don't do them yourself. Don't take out a cocktail napkin or, or, or type up something on Microsoft Word. Please see a professional. And, and, and I'm saying this from a position of I'm not an attorney. I have an attorney. Uh, and I pay someone to do it like everybody else. But have them and have them done well. And then put them in a drawer and review them every five years or so or anytime you have a major life change. Just not that big a deal. What a liar I am. Put it on your to-do list today. <laughs> I'm sure you've been thinking about it for a while, right? Just didn't hit the to-do oh, list. Oh, God. Well, I have. Okay, so my husband and I do, and exactly what he said the minute we had a kid, we did uh, put together a will, but through legal Zoom. So then some people say, and I should even do another more in-depth interview on this specifically. Some people say that's not even good enough. And I God, I haven't looked at it in 14 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I have no idea. Well, I think we added my second kid to it, but I don't know how good is a legal zoom will. I don't, I don't know. I, I should again, I should put it on my to-do list today. <laughs> have a professional look at it. Did you, are you all buttoned up with it, aren't you? No, no, you, show off. no you, oh. I'm not. And you know, that's why I want to talk about this one. <laughs> the thing that scared me was like our, my college freshman now, she's 19. So this whole ordeal about making sure that she has listed that, you know, my parents are the ones that will, in case of anything taking place, can speak on my behalf. I, I admittedly didn't even think about that. I know. And now, you know, she's off to school. Trust me, when I get her back here, we're going to talk to an attorney about putting a simple document together so that that's in place. And again, she doesn't have to think about it for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, but you know, as, as a dad, it, it scares me to death that she's 19 now. And what does that mean for, for her future? So uh, it feels early for her to be considering that, but clearly it's important. Yeah. And probably you still think of her as your baby. Oh yeah. She's still a kid. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't need a will. What? <laughs> <laughs> You're making all the decisions. She definitely doesn't have anything. That's that's for sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, how about the financial institution part of it that he said? If the kids have money, what was he what was he saying? I think he's referring to um, joint ownership. So it depends on how the kid establishes the account. So if a kid has certainly can have their own checking account, but if the parents aren't joint on the account, then 
then you've got questionability about what happens if, God forbid, something happens. Um, in in our case, I am joint on Abby's account, okay. and we make sure that um, um, you know if she needs any help with that, I'm able to do that because we're joint on the account. So I would encourage parents for for young adults, um, you know, as long as the the kid understands that the adult has access to the account, that right. um, you establish a joint account. Yeah, I don't know why it is why we can't just get our stuff together. And just do the will and test. I don't know. I think a hurdle for me personally is probably the financial um, cost to it. I hear thousands. I don't know. Is it really thousands? A good will and testament? We put ours together when when our first was born, and it was nowhere near that no? amount. No. Um, but I, admittedly, I couldn't say today exactly how much it would be. But Have it's you an investment that to make sure well, it's okay. That's what we're going to do. Say, you know, I mean, again, it prompted me. There list. it is. Put it at the top of the party list. I'm sorry I brought it up. Nobody wants to talk about it. No. But the reality is, is you got to do it. You got to do it. I know. Thank you for reminding me of that. One. <laughs> that was like I was trying to overlook it. Like if I don't look at it, it's not an issue. <laughs> So what are you guys doing uh, at Family First? You just opened up a new branch, right? So exciting. Exciting times at Family First. We opened up a new branch in Greece going great. You were a huge help in getting us off the ground there. Thank you for all of your assistance. Oh, yeah, right. Like I did anything. No, sure. you did. You were great in our, at our grand opening. We appreciated that. Um, next year, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary. Wow. So it's hard to believe, but 50 years ago, we we uh, opened our doors and... Um, Thank very much the Penfield teachers for getting us going. And, and now we're chartered across all of Monroe County. So it's That's exciting awesome. times for us. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for sponsoring the podcast because honestly, I don't know if it would still be a thing without you guys. It's our pleasure. You hold me accountable to keeping this thing going. You do a great job. <laughs> and admittedly, Sandy, I even wondered, wow, what kind of topics is she going to come up with to keep this thing alive on a weekly basis? done a great job. There are so many interesting people out there. And really, when you're asking for advice, people will be so generous with their time. And it, it is awesome that, yeah, somehow it happens. Well, it's our pleasure to sponsor it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And um, thank you to all of you for listening every week to the Seven Figures podcast. This was the 2018 year in review, the most impactful interviews. So we just kind of touched on the topics that were discussed and what we felt like were the most valuable uh, lessons. But you can scroll through previous episodes, listen to each one that we touched on today in its entirety, or um, all the other great financial advice and experts that we've had on this year. Happy holidays to you and your family, and we look forward to another awesome year. Thank great. you. Thank you. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at sandy at rochesterbuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Seven Figures podcast. Smart money strategies for women.